0: This is the East TraumaCast. With your moderators, Ferox Madback, University
1: of Florida, Jacksonville. Dave Morris from Intermountain Medical Center in Salt Lake City,
2: Utah. Carrie Valdez from Covenant Hospital in Saginaw, Michigan. And Matt Martin from Madigan Army Medical Center.
0: This program brought to you by The Online Education Committee of the Eastern Association for the Surgery of Trauma. Advancing science, fostering relationships, and building careers. All right, welcome to another edition of the Case Records of the Joint Trauma System. This is an educational series that was started by Colonel Jennifer Gurney, and the series is designed to present a real case uh, taken from the Department of Defense Trauma Registry uh, from patients that were taken care of in the wars in Iraq. Uh, Afghanistan or surrounding areas uh, and present it to an expert panel uh, that is typically a mix of both military and civilian trauma surgeons uh, and have them analyze the care that was provided, uh, discuss the various treatment options, uh, and really to highlight the key lessons that were learned from this experience. Uh, This edition was held at the 2018 Western Trauma Association annual meeting at Whistler, British Columbia, Canada. Uh, We had a a great panel, great discussion. Uh, The session was limited to 30 minutes, so we were able to focus exclusively on one case of a uh, recent patient that was seen in Iraq and really presented some significant evaluation and management problems to the managing team. Uh, This session was recorded live uh, in a large room with an audience, so the audio is not perfect, uh, but we've tried to optimize it for this podcast. And we hope you enjoy the case uh, and you find it uh, educational and useful. Uh, the audio starts immediately after the introduction of the session of the panelists. So the session was moderated by Colonel Jennifer Gurney uh, and I co-moderated. Uh, the panel uh, consisted of Warren Dorlack, a uh, former Air Force military surgeon now at the University of Colorado, uh, Dr. Kim Peck. Who is a trauma surgeon at Scripps Mercy in San Diego? Dr. Rachel Calcutt, who's a trauma surgeon at the University of California, San Francisco, and Dr. David Feliciano, uh, who is now at Baltimore Shock Trauma. Good afternoon,
3: my name is Jennifer Durham from San Antonio. I want to thank the Western Trauma Association for having us back second year. Uh, And I'd like to thank Matt, my partner in this and panelists. You guys should thank Matt as well for deeply. Uh, the, uh, the DO, this is uh, not representative of the DOD, no disclosures. Uh, we've already had our introductions. This is a real case, uh, and we expect some good discussion. And uh, the purpose of this is that so the valuable lessons learned over the last 15 years are not forgotten. Uh, as you've heard in the news, Syria's IED League, the U.S. has teams that are clearing buildings so that civilians can return to the city of Raqqa. This team was clearing the main hospital in Raqqa when there was an This is representative of the type of uh, explosive blast that you see with IEDs. This is a picture of Raqqa, Syria from a couple months ago. And this is representative of the type of building. This EOD or Explosive Ordinance Disposal Team was clearing, like I said, so civilians could come back to the city of Morocco. Uh, after the explosion in the building, uh, the Special Forces medic ran into this IED Ruby trapped building and noticed the patient had a large neck wound with bleeding, multiple other fragment injuries throughout his body. He was unconscious, heart rate was around 130, and he had palpable pulses.
0: So so this medic is at the scene, he's got this patient, blast injury, low GCS, big neck wound, blood and bubbles. He immediately recognizes he probably need to do a cry. Right. He looks and says there's no trade. But he does see some bubbling coming up from the sternal notch. Pragnum wounds the entire trunk, and as we said, unconscious, heart rate of 130, he pulses. So so Warren, Scarf, what what would you advise this medic in terms of his first priorities and then obviously what to do about the airway?
1: emerge first. So everybody over here, but I think in this particular situation, that may have.
0: This is a special forces neck who, who are very out of the training, but this is an airway that you know, might make a surgeon cringe.
4: And if you really hyperextend these patients, you can tell that they can usually reach through the air bubbles and suggest that the you know, patient's still alive and you just follow the air bubbles. Even if you have a hole in the side of the neck, you follow the air bubbles and then evade from the side of the neck, which is the to do. It's actually the bubbles are coming
0: up from the sternal notch. So essentially,
3: I'll tell you, segment of trachea is gone, And then there's trachea behind the sternum. Okay? I think that the same principle is use a clamp. Feel it
4: with your finger and then reach down with the mic and the trachea is. Hold it by the it's in trachea. Okay. okay. This is the patient prior to him clearing the building in office. So that one had completely transected the trachea and so I immediately got a middle down got a crack tube and reached into the back wound and found the trachea right up under the stern. I uh, introduced a crack tube into the trachea and put in the bowl and secure airway. Um, with this bowl I did not suture or tie the tube in by any
3: pulses. CPR was initiated. The bleeding from the neck, like uh, Rachel mentioned, was controlled with combat cause. All of our special forces medics in Iraq and Syria carried a low tire level of whole blood, which uh, one unit was transfused, and TXA, uh, part of our CPG's academy, was given. Okay, so, so you're the surgeon at this location. This is a very
0: forward, austere surgical team. This is the base. Next slide. You have two general surgeons, you have no X ray, you've got ultrasound, you've got a limited blood bank, but you have blood, and you also have a water blood bank. And again, this is your OR, so, so very austere setting, but you have basic stuff you need. Next slide. And then again, this is the, the kind of setting you're operating No lights,
3: you know, your homemade headlights, etcetera. Next slide. So in round two, the surgical team, the airway was held in the neck nat- manual and bag ventilated. The trip was by ground and it was for 20 minutes. And he arrives at your osteocertical team.
0: So we'll start with you, Warren. So he arrives and he's had CPR on this. Uh, There's a tube going somewhere going to start. So uh, I guess
1: the first thing I do is just confirm that the airway is in place simultaneously giving uh, IV access. Does he have all the extremities at this point? He does. Um, just, so, just crack pepper with Yeah, so uh, IOs are sort of the standard military you know, use nowadays. Uh, you have all lot sort of you do for more additional options that you may not have otherwise. Um, next thing I to do is uh, start a uh, massive resuscitation. It's probably in this general. Uh, trying to limit crystalloid and uh, push in this much volume. Trying to use 111 if we had that, or not uh, calling for maybe a fresh
0: old blood drive uh, from the rest of the team. Okay, so, so Kim, what would you do? So this person's arrived with CPR, and it's 20 minutes, it's a blast. You know, would you just try and resuscitate? Would you do a thoracotomy right away? Would you do anything else? Well, I think I agree. I would make sure to
2: just start over with airway, and circulation. large <coughs> and assess the rest of the torso. Because if it is other torso injury or extremity injury that's bleeding, I think it's going to change our management as far as what we go for the thoracotomy or not. Okay, so the airway is actually in place.
0: He's got good rest on bilateral. He has bilateral chest tubes. I think the first thing would be to see
4: what we can do with volume resuscitation. Okay, what do you think? It's a young, healthy guy. You have a reason that he's excited Poorly, as these problems tend to So, if you have some signs of life, uh, anything while you're bagging and not pursuing further resuscitation, I think the point about looking for other sources of bleeding is critical here. It may certainly run for the neck here, but with multiple fragments, and you don't have an ultrasound on it, uh, certainly have to think a little bit what more going to do. You know, they do have an
0: ultrasound. They don't have an extra. Yeah, I probably do. So, they, they did a fast. It was good. You know, like,
4: and there was no extra <laughs> in the chest. Okay. The chest is clear, Adam is clear, and all four extremities are not
2: extended. So. Not extended. Is that
0: a Good question. Does that matter? So, Rachel, what would you do? What would be a sign of life for you? We
3: have, if we don't have another source of hemorrhage and put a roll you may just potentially increase your bleeding at the neck. So <coughs> if going to be a source and you're gonna gain a benefit. I don't I think you could potentially harm and increase bleeding overbola in this situation. Okay. So they ultrasound it, they didn't see any cardiac activity. But there were two surgeons there, so they did a simultaneous central line to start a massive transfusion as well as a resuscitative thoracotomy. Uh, he did get cardiac activity back relatively quickly. There was no evidence of significant thoracic injury. He got a right side of the chest tube as well. Abdomen was suspended, but they repeated the fast and it was negative. Uh, the neck was continued to bleed a lot with uh, bubbles and blood, and the tube was held in place. You can see his vitals are 86 6%. So systolic is saturated 6%, is yeah. 100%. So <coughs>
0: neck
4: is bleeding. Abdomen is suspended, but the fast is negative. Well,
0: they didn't plant the aorta. They did an over-cardiac massage and started a massive transfusion. And cardiac activity came back. They never planted the aorta. So, what next? Next, is that getting the stent of a fastest negative? Is that, should we explore the after two? What do you think why? Well, um, you know, one thing about
1: starting the massive transfusion the protocol, asking for a whole blood drive early, so that you get this guy back. Additional blood products for him. So, um, following the of resuscitative so thoracotomy, uh, one thing I guess I would be concerned about was maybe air embolism. Is it maybe the usual cause for his uh, for his arrest? Um, I would probably uh, either repeat my fact. You say thoracotomy has, has become extended. Yes,
0: yeah, it's become totally extended, but he's actively bleeding
1: from the neck. I guess uh, at this point I would go for trying to control the bleeding in the neck. Uh, and Explore his neck. Where is my, exactly is my? wound in the neck? He's got a large anterior wound bleeding
3: from both sides. So the wound in the neck started just to the uh, just to the right of the midline and went all the way around the neck on the
0: So would anybody here also? I mean, you're going to explore the neck. It's bleeding. Would anybody here also explore the abdomen? Would, would you feel okay with a negative? or would you just go ahead and the because of how unstable this guy is So um, what side of the left are you? Right or left? What's that? What side of the abdomen? right? Or right in the center.
2: Right in the center. Right center. No blood in the left chest? No blood in the left chest. No blood in the left chest. Well a no little blood now if you did where I got it. What about the right chest Nothing. 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 So we had a remarkably similar case to this recently and the average got it really, really quickly and we should have a very difficult time oxygenating and ventilating remarkably similar and what it was um, was was that the blood was going through the neck room down into the GI attack and cause distinction of the abdomen and the patient a relative compartment
0: symbol. So I think the first thing I would do is go to the neck bleeding and that's what's going to kill it first, but not to discount the fact that extended abdomen. Okay, so so I'll just ask the panel you you explore the neck and control the bleeding. How many of you would explore the abdomen too and how many of you would how many would explore the abdomen? It okay? I'm probably going to make, sure make sense okay. some sort of responsive and at least look. Okay. How many clients would explore the abdomen? How many would leave it or repeat the fast? Too fast. We're too fast. Too yeah.
3: fast. Okay. Right. Most people said yes, but this one said no. So, okay. on that exploration, tracheal was going to be transected with uh, segmental loss. There was significant soft tissue disruption. Hemorrhage was controlled with packing. Uh, the ETT was secured in place the best it could, and the chest was temporarily closed. Um, he stayed lay by throughout the case, and again, the admin continued to be descended. The fast was negative. Uh, and so we kind of already talked about this. Uh, transfer observers for the abdomen. Sounds like everybody on the panel and the majority of the audience have explored the abdomen. So they did do an export uh, for that problem. They didn't find anything leaving. Uh, during the case, in addition to the 10 units of low titer of whole blood, he received four. So they used their tires to cross, uh stock low titer of whole blood. They temporarily closed the chest and adamant. The total time of this board surgical team was about one and a half hours, and then he was transferred
0: to the, <coughs> the hospital back then. This is how you notice know, that something coming from Syrian Special Forces, they come in by Osprey, right? not the usual Blackhawk, and actually they come with a surgeon, usually on board with a surgical team. So now you're at the, the cash, which is a little more robust, but I'll tell us a cash minus is actually about a quarter of a full cash, about 70 people total. This is your oral team, including the head and neck team. Can you right? are a little more, you have a little more capabilities, you have a head and neck team.
4: Research, you've got a more robust blood bank. You can also do a walking blood bank. You do have a CT scanner now, an
0: x ray, and you have a ICU
4: input.
0: close.
3: What was the indication to explore the, the app? That I sort of missed that. The, 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 the team, so yeah, they knew that he had anywhere from a one and a half to two hour transport, and he stayed I mean hemodynamically labile. And that's, you know, when you read through the notes and uh, speak with the surgical team, they were very uncomfortable putting him on the helicopter for a couple hours. With his labile
0: Yeah, I think like, the bleeding is controlled in the neck. He's still labile he's been a head to toe blast. I mean, I would have
2: explored him before putting him on a bird somewhere. Um, so, in route, uh, his hemodynamics is relatively unchanged. The team was an advanced
3: uh, en route care team with a surgeon and an anesthesia provider. They're, they did say they had to the air with the in place because his neck wound was so large, they had to continuously hold the ET tube that was in his neck. We're at the combat support hospital, his uh, systolic blood pressures are 110, his SATs are 90, he's ventilated and sedated. And I already mentioned his tube was <coughs> not place. On the secondary survey, he's got bad bilateral injuries. Penetrating to the neck, to
0: now, which we talk about, in some So, so he's runner he's actually relatively human a stable now. He's got head and toe, head and toe penetrating wounds. So,
3: what would your next step be? Start you might
0: have given it away by the early okay. slightly advanced. <laughs> but, he's, he's had a thoracotomy and laparotomy. Would you take him right to the OR? Would you scan him? Would you take him right to the ICU? Yeah, uh, so I'd be uh,
1: thinking about hand scan, CT scan, head to toe, looking for fragments. Sort
2: of the quickest, easiest way to to find all these things you can't tell. Like a little hole
1: that came in on the side of, didn't come out of a different quadrant uh, of, the, of the body. So pan scan, CT, the thing I'd be thinking about here early on is because he's already gotten a pretty good resuscitation. Um, I'd be thinking about maybe Early ARDS, so I want to be sort of switching over to a lung protective ventilation strategy. Uh, for the bilateral globe injuries that I identified in my primary survey, we've got our secondary survey, we've got a uh, clinical practice guideline in the military. Uh, so that guy would get um, those treated with a shield, a cloth shield placed over those uh, in the meantime, each globe that's, uh, that's injured. Um, and making sure that no one puts pressure on there. You don't want to use topical um, uh, pain medicine for the eyes. They only get washed out with normal saline, and water. And then they're going to get started on antibiotics. They use a fluoroquinolin for those. <coughs> I think at that point I'd wait for the rest of them. So would, would anybody on the panel do anything
0: different than take them to scan the panel? How about just straight-forward? a straightforward, gentle they, they did that and it was unremarkable. It so 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 he's got some pointer of on the X-ray, but otherwise they're
2: remarkable. He's not impressive. He's not impressive. Do you do to be and with
4: each
0: They're normal. Okay. So would you also scan them. then? Yeah, them? absolutely. Alright, so he does get scanned. He has bilateral uh, fragment wounds to both eyes. You can see uh, on the left eye is obvious, open it the right eye. Scan. That's his uh, neck injury. You can see pretty devastating, destructive injury from anterior to posterior, multiple fragments. He's got a bad vertebral body fracture, an obvious spinal cord injury, and uh, the left vertebral artery on that side is out. Unclear if it's thrombosed or if that's just from the, the packing. And again, bad spine injury. Chest CT and it just shows he has already pretty significant bilateral pulmonary to GMC here. Probably also a significant blood aspiration. I'm guessing next
3: time. So after the CT scan, on uh, the exam he continued to bleed from the neck, and the respiratory efforts would not leave this guy's bedside. Uh, they continue to hold the tube in place because every time it moved, they start bubbling from the neck. On the CT scan, but you couldn't scan that. <coughs> uh, ET2 was right main Uh The left chest tube had about 600 CTs in it since arrival, it forgot, for about so an hour, and it was moderate bleeding from all wounds.
0: Okay, so what next? He's now had those scans. He's got some bleeding from his neck, and probably from the neck wound. So, uh, just yeah, send it
3: to Germany. You, what's that? I said you could just send it to Germany. Yeah, so
0: Kim, what do you think? Would you take the OR? Would you bring the acid sustainable I well, think it's something <coughs> that you
2: need, you need to be back in the operating room before too long. But before going, I would get an assessment of the coagulation status and see if there's any correctable coagulation <coughs> problems, platelets, anything else we can do to optimize our hemorrhage control either on the way or before we go to the
0: operating room to re-explore. Okay. okay. What do you think, Kim?
4: I'd get a tag. on him and see, you know, what's correctable here. <coughs> Presumably, he's got a bad lot I've had an inclination to take one more, more look at him in the OR before putting him on the plane, beside the quality, critical area of his slice to see if I can fixate the, uh, the tracheal tube better, and whether I had any overt mechanical bleeding, like the vertebral bodies or something like that. But I wouldn't move him you right. Know, Itself, what quite lofty was the weather; it was easy to be correct. If it's correct then I would see how much bleeding remains from the neck. Okay. Mm-hmm. The thing that intrigued me a little bit and I mean, never served actively in the war, was did he have any signs of mental life at this point? I mean, He's off pressers. Did he wake up or did you just keep them? He stayed he stays
3: sedated, sir. Mm-hmm. And uh, because of his blood injuries, he couldn't get a good pupillary exam. She couldn't get a good pupillary exam, but he stayed sedated the whole time. But he was off pressers relatively quickly after a blood transfusion. In terms to address, um, you thinking, he uh, had an INR 1.4, and his most notable lab value was a PAO2 of 100% of 54. Uh, yeah, and there's no tech available at the back <laughs>
2: This um, facility,
0: do they have the capability to repeat the ultrasound or any type of qualitative function of this heart? Yes. Quite ar- mm-hmm. related really to like, <coughs> the uh, Yeah, they have. They have ultrasound. Ultrasound, CT, X-ray. <coughs> it's all
4: He's hyperdynamic. What's well, well, causing all this abdominal distension?
0: So, so the question: What well, was causing the previous abdominal distention?
4: Distended uh, so bowel. Yeah, distended no. bowel. Cause I had a patient Friday night, and it's melting, massively distended, and the bullet went through his crazy of his esophagus, and then the bullet's in his stomach, and his stomach was massively distended, and I'm swearing at the resident, god damn it, why is his chest, his stomach distended with an new tube, and it was filled all the air with positive pressure ventilation, so I was wondering if it was esophageal to with this thing, and you saw that positive pressure ventilation was causing him yeah. 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 I mean, I think be, be, be with that injury, you've got to worry about everything. You've got to worry about some of the injuries, uh, uh,
1: your vertebral carotid arteries are, are certainly at risk. Your current regional nerve is at risk. Um, a lot of these people have associated chest injuries as well. So, hemoglobin is not as you're taking care of already. But I think, yeah, everything in the neck is at risk. Okay, so we're going to move on because we short time.
4: Did you use contrast on that stand? Sorry, what was that? Was calm? there contrast? Yes. yes. To, did you see, to use to on to stand. see if his bleeding from his vertebral activity? The, the left vertebral was occluded at in
3: that time. Mm. Occluded, okay. So he did go right to the operating room after a little more resuscitation, and uh, the, the trachea was transected. There was about five centimeter loss. There was esophageal laceration. Uh, vertebral artery and bony bleeding was controlled. In the operator room, the tube was exchanged from a 6.5 to a 7.5 ETT that was secured, and the esophageal laceration was repaired. This is just to and so uh, the bottom of the screen, the ETT is being held in place, and this is just defining the anatomy, evacuating some clot in a large neck wound. The tube was exchanged over a bougie. I think the team was concerned, even though you can see the trachea, since it was, didn't, wasn't really fixated by much soft tissue to lose airway access. At the end of the case, after the esophageal repair, you can appreciate the tissue loss of the anterior neck. That actually extended around to the left side of the neck and you can see uh, the ET tube coming out from below the sternum and the JP drain for the esophageal repair. <coughs> In the operating room, he continued to have oxygenation challenges and it seemed like his coagulopathy was not improving and he was hemodynamically labile he was bronched, There was a fair bit of blood evacuated. It didn't improve his oxygenation much. He received uh, five and five. Five. Uh, <coughs> he received six. Of the combat support hospital had one unit of platelets. A fresh cold blood drive was called. Okay. So, so
0: what do we do next? And and I'll just say he's he's decompensating now from a respiratory standpoint. So so would anybody here do anything with that airway for reconstruction? <coughs> the tubes, what like it is.
1: And do anything else other than get into the axial. Well, um, you know, the uh, the critical, the Air Force critical care transport teams do have some limitations with uh, some of those, the ventilator the ventilator that they carry, uh, although the, the new impact 731, you know, 731 um, does do a people of 25, that's a pressure control ventilation, but uh, I'd probably be calling lung team in to try and transport this guy out. Um, I've also continued to try and limit how much crystal is getting again the lung protective ventilation spread. Um, I think if I had Dr. Policiano there, then I would actually uh, err on doing the airway reconstruction while he's there, because that's going to be done with anything we're going to get <coughs> this Is this a post x ray?
0: Okay, so he's, he's going into severe air cancer. So, so this is your, the cube,
3: the Baghdad ICU. You know, this is called an ICU. If you see that box on the
0: back, uh, that little square thing. And if you one, this is your ventilator. This is a piece of junk in the vent <laughs> that can do very basic standard ventilation not have a lot of options for mm-hmm. advanced ventilation. So, that was state yeah. of the art twenty years ago. Yeah. So so just real quickly for our panel members, so this is severe, austere ARDS. Um, just real quickly, what would you do with this patient who's not really in the ARDS, um you know, ventilator mode? What, what's your bailout modality? Yeah. Well I think the only other thing I would consider if you if you said your airway is as secure as it can be, how to draw it's at least in the airway,
2: it looked like you had out of the chest yeah. At this point. yeah, this is just air gas. I think the one other thing you can make sure is that the abdomen is all the way open, um, completely decompressed, in um, case that's a component abdominal <clears throat> the and center. If they have a little mini laparotomy, make it a full decompressive laparotomy and see so if you can gain anything from that. Okay. What would you do with this then so, uh, If you're
3: already at a
2: peak with eight. Control. You can. I guess I would try pressure control and see if we could maybe any gain. Um, <coughs> maybe just switching around and getting them on an inverse ratio if we can with that. Uh, my go to is APRP. I'm guessing you can't do that So I would try and create some modification that you can use be using pressure control. But
0: you would go to ABA if you had that on that. Yeah. Okay. Rachel,
2: said earlier about uh, making sure that the acumen is decompressed. The other thing to keep in mind here is that if you had chosen to go and fix the air leg, you would be concerned about these high pressures on the fresh anastomosis. So oh, yeah. that's something in that consideration as well. I'm assuming that mm-hmm. there's some mechanism to get ECMO?
0: That's the question. This is, is he an ECMO candidate? Oh, yeah. Yes. yes. Okay. Would anybody be Yes.
4: some of them are going to be to do and With the extra, it would show that the only thing left of your inverse ratio doesn't change much in any of your ideas much as I mean, there are certainly ECMO units that are small and more than it's to be flown down. To the it's the army. We do have a bunch of privates.
0: We could probably send them to lie under the bed and hold the tube. I think that was probably considered Something <laughs> like a general yeah. So one of the arguments for the use of ECMO in this patient is, I'm not sure how high
1: respiratory acidosis is, but one of the clinical practice guidelines for the military is if you've got paid respiratory acidosis in the face of a head injury, that uh, potentially could be another use for for it. Okay,
0: so we'll, we'll uh, run through the rest of the so uh,
3: the, there was able to be an LTV vent that was barred because the, the pressure control. But this film really struggled with the et position on X-rays of the right main stand, and they were able to get volume toward the balloon. You could see it at the base of the balloon. They really struggled with an unstable airway. airway and like every panel member suggested, they called the ECMO team.
0: So we've already answered the ECMO. role well, for ECMO, this patient, he's, he has somewhat stabilized now what should we do with his glove injuries and he's got a very short window, or he's going to lose vision in addition to being a spinal cord injury in my experience at land school
4: yesterday at land school the real ophthalmologist is on right now we can like do everything with those glove injuries
3: this uh, this combat support hospital was augmented by a head neck team that had a neurosurgeon and ophthalmologist with a microscope as well as a, uh, the the text and support to do
4: why didn't take care of his life versus a
1: virgin? I mean, we used to say that that was a sort of a quick emergency. Although the uh, that they need the globe injuries need to be prepared right away. You put them on antibiotics, um, but I think given the time constraint, how long it's been here already, how long it's going to take your team to come in, I think that's you something know, that could be done without a lot of uh, a lot of the.
3: Changes for him, so I think I probably would go ahead and have my on guys explain. Okay. <coughs> so he did stay on the clause and got to go to the operating room he had a little explorations and repairs. He stayed stable with that. His abdomen was washed out and, uh, and the, he had a very large incision on his abdomen and they did not close his abdomen to, open, uh, to help with his ventilation. An EDD monitor was placed and wound care, all his fragmentation. The echo team arrived about 36 hours from the initial call. The initial call for ECMO was made relatively quickly within an hour or two of the patient's arrival in Baghdad. The uh, patient was cannulated, had no uh, hypoxia, hypertension, chest was re explored, and a huge amount of clot was evacuated. Uh, this is the mobile <coughs> ECMO uh, cannulation in Baghdad. The plan was to fly the patient back to San Antonio and not uh, go to law school, so uh, that's why one of the reasons this globe injury was done before
0: so the, this will be the last question for the panel. He's getting on this flight, he's on ECMO. Uh, just any, any uh, things you would send to them, advice for the team, send blood?
2: So, uh, with the transport is on, did they bring a second ECMO circuit, which is the first one down? Yes. Yeah.
0: Would you send him some blood? Would you Absolutely. The, okay. Anything else in terms of this transport? Okay, we're we'll about right now. What we'll
3: yeah. so we'll So, follow-up, he arrived in San Antonio. Uh, he had uh, multiple, actually, complex reconstructions constructions, as well as his esophagus, lower extremity, and globe. <coughs> he woke up. Uh, he had normal cognition and no evidence of hypoxic brain injury, despite PAEI arrest and CPR. Uh, his spine injury is at level C5, and he's undergoing extensive rehab. This is a patient about two months after the IVD blast. And considering the severity of his injuries and in ARPS, getting him and his family alive was an accomplishment. He obviously has a long path ahead of him uh, and some real challenges in the future. In the future, in terms of rehab and recovery. Uh, questions from the audience or comments to the panel? just curious, how
4: they did the tracheal reconstruction?
3: Uh, his at this point, because he had so much loss, they haven't done the tracheal reconstruction. He's got a mediastinal trachea, okay. and he hasn't been get as of yet. His injuries What did do?
2: I said.
3: He had got vision back in his right eye and can only see light perception in his left eye. That's pretty
2: good. I guess the one other thing I was thinking about the initial net exploration is I'm not sure it would have been great enough to primarily repair the esophagus. I know they have a drain next to it, but I think if there was any question um, of bring bringing everything together to repair
3: as a controlled fistula. not knowing the timing but viability of that so That's a great point. The esophagus was repaired and it broke down. Uh, it was repaired again and it broke down and then I don't have a follow-up for what they was done afterwards. you know one of the things, I mean, when you have
1: a esophageal injury, you, know, you normally talk that way, pull muscle flap over that it's something you can cleaning and the trachea. However, muscle flap in the face of an explosive injury, uh, all those flaps seem to die. And so, I'm not sure if that's happened or not in this but it's very difficult to keep those flaps that are in the zone of Yeah.
0: All right. Uh,
3: yeah, Can you go ahead and hit the green button on the bottom of the uh, screen? We had some some little rapid fire rounds, but you know, I just wanted to thank everybody at the system uh, who
0: support this. Uh, we really want to thank the panel members. Uh, we want to thank Rick Miller, who uh, put us on the program a year ago, and AJ for and that wraps up another edition of TraumaCast brought to you by the online education section of the Eastern Association for the Surgery of Trauma. You can check out all of the great educational and career development resources available on the East website at www.east.org. And make sure you subscribe to the TraumaCast series so you don't miss any of our exciting upcoming programs and interviews. So if you're searching for cutting-edge science and research, professional education, networking and building relationships, and career development, remember that all you need to do is look to the East.